The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We have a loaded show today. We're going to talk about Brian Gutekunst's comments about Aaron Rodgers and why the Packers are trying to retake control of the Aaron Rodgers narrative. We'll get into that. We'll kind of try to guess what Matt LaFleur might have to say today. Uh, we'll also talk about the Milwaukee Brewers' moves. We'll talk about all three. We'll talk about Voight. We'll talk about Castigara. We'll talk about Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer. All of that, we'll get into it. Um, I have a little bit of a concern on there, but I'm also pretty positive about every step that's in the right direction here. Uh, we will also chat about the Milwaukee Bucks why I feel like they're playing a little bit with house money in terms of pressure heading into these playoffs. I still think the one seed should be the destination, but I feel pretty good about where the Bucks are in terms of pressure index. So we'll kind of get into that a little bit. We'll do some golden kegs on their win against the Pistons. And then that'll be today's show. Maybe, maybe a Chuck's Corner at the end, if time. I, I feel like... I always get good responses from the Chuck's Corner. Like I always feel like I get good, good feedback from those. I got some good ones from Friday. Uh, multiple people came out to me and were talking to me about some of the stuff I said Friday late. Uh, so if you heard that, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. We don't need to re-earth that at the start of today's show. Before we get going, just a reminder to follow along on social media, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, also, make sure if you're new to the program, if you listen to the 500th episode, first of all, thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we had fun taping it, right? Uh, as well as, you know, if, so so if you are new, not as well, if you're new to this program, uh, make sure that you are subscribed. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else we get your podcasts. I actually told somebody yesterday, or on, was it Saturday? He was, I was telling him about what we do and what we're about. And I think his name is David. I think that was his name, Sean David. And I bet he's listening. I was like, hey, we got this podcast. I actually, he gave me his number and I put my podcast in his phone. If I have to do that, I will. Like that's the type of shit that we're doing these days. Like that's, that's post 500 life right now. I was already asked if we're doing a live show in Tosa. Uh, so look, we're going to continue to find different ways in. Uh, there there are steps to this. There are levels to this. But I am excited for where this is all going and look forward to keeping on, keeping on with y'all. And let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gunacus because this is messy. Let's talk about the Brewers and let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. A good show, as always, on deck and we're ready to give it to you. The owners meetings are being taking place in Phoenix right now for the NFL. That means all the coaches, all the GMs, all the owners are hanging out in Phoenix, Arizona at the end of March. It's probably pretty nice in Phoenix, right? Uh, it's a hot, it's been a hot spot uh, for the last few weeks, right? You have spring training going on. Taylor Swift opened up her concert last week. Uh, and now you have the owners meetings and you had the Super Bowl there a little while back. So it has been a little bit of an epicenter, if you will, of sports and entertainment. And there was enough drama to fit a tabloid for Taylor Swift with the Green Bay Packers yesterday when Brian Unicus stepped up to the mic and talked about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Brian Gutekunst did not pussyfoot around things. Brian Gutekunst did not try to play the diplomat. Brian Gutekunst 
went all in and basically aired out some dirty laundry. Something that we have not seen a Packer GM do really in our lifetime. Uh, I don't can't remember really a Ron, Ron Wolf doing it. I can't remember a Ted Thompson, Mike Sherman doing it. Uh, and Brian Gutekunst spilt the tea as the kids would like to set. And here's what he said to a gaggle of reporters yesterday. Gutekunst took issue with how Aaron Rodgers uh, characterized his talks with the team prior to entering the darkness retreat, saying the quarterback never responded in any way when the team reached out during the offseason to have conversations about the 2023 season. Taking this from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. I was really, this is now Gunakus. I was really looking forward to these conversations with Aaron to see how he fit into that, Gunakus said. Those never transpired. So there came a time where we had to make some decisions. So we had, so we went through his representatives to try to talk to him regarding where we are going with our team. At that point, they informed us he would like to be traded with the New York Jets. So there you have it. Brian Gutekunst didn't necessarily deliver the smoky gun, but Brian Gutekunst said that he is no longer going to let Aaron Rodgers control this narrative. And the Packers are going to try to retake the narrative away from their former star quarterback. Green Bay airing out Aaron Rodgers like this is done in the sense that they have had enough and that they are not going to let Aaron Rodgers look like the sympathetic hero that they are going to make sure that it's understood that the Packers made every effort to try and contact Aaron Rodgers and try to make sure that it, that it's known that they did their part and that Aaron Rodgers did not cooperate. And when Aaron Rodgers didn't cooperate and he passed them off to his agents who, according to Aaron Rodgers, said didn't know shit. Remember that only his inner circle, right? Well, his team representatives did know. They did play middleman. They did probably leak things to Adam Schefter, to Diana Rossini, to other people in the media, Ian Rapport, if you will. And now you, it all comes out that, yeah, they told us that he wanted out. Now, did the Packers leak that out back in February, back in, back in March? No, they did not. They kept it pretty tight. There was an assumption that Rodgers would want to be with the Jets. But if you put the pieces together, then Brian Gunacoust, you know, gave Rodgers permission to be with the Jets. And there you have it. Now, Aaron Rodgers said something changed after the darkness retreat. So if we put the pieces together, Aaron Rodgers and his representatives likely talked before the, the darkness retreat. The Packers likely tried to get, get a hold of Rodgers before the darkness retreat. And they tried to talk to Rodgers and Rodgers pushed them off to his representatives, okay? And because of that, Rodgers came out of the darkness, asked for an update from his representatives. They said, yeah, they, they'll try to figure out a way to trade you. They're going to make a move. And he said, oh, everything changed. Nothing really changed. Basically, everybody just agreed to move up. And everybody sort of was copacetic with that, was happy with that. And that's what happened. I don't think Brian Gutekunst did anything wrong here today. In fact, Brian Gutekunst gave all the information that a lot of us, I think, have been waiting for. That they tried to work this out with Aaron Rodgers. Now, could they have done it in bad faith? Could they have tried in the darkness retreat? We couldn't get a hold of Aaron. And then we went through his representatives and that's when they let us know he wanted to get traded to the Jets. Yeah, maybe. Rodgers could come out. I'm not going to be surprised if Rodgers comes out swinging today. I, I could definitely see it being a possibility that he shows his face on Pat McAfee's show uh, as Pat McAfee runs his state-run media. I could definitely see a potential 
happening there. But this is about the larger point that teams in the NFL don't like to get pushed around. Teams in the NFL really don't buy into player empowerment. Player empowerment is a thing in the NBA. It's a little bit in baseball. It is not a thing in football, all right? Lamar Jackson is getting froze out by the entire league because no one wants to give him a guaranteed contract for a full six years, five years, whatever it may be. They're not going to do that. And people could say, well, that's crazy. Deshaun Watson got it. You could go through the entire thing. It is not necessarily a conspiracy when it is out there in the open. No one wants to do that. And an agent would probably tell Lamar, hey, that was a one-of-one one deal for Deshaun Watson to convince him to go to Cleveland because he didn't want to go to Cleveland. And then when they guaranteed his contract, he decided he wanted to play, play for the Browns and be a member of the Browns. And Lamar at this point has not, that has not come clear to him. Now he requested a trade. That was the other huge headline. Lamar Jackson released this immediately as John Harbaugh was getting ready to meet with the media. Lamar knew what he was doing there, right? Just like Aaron Rodgers knew what he was doing talking on McAfee. And these players try to sort of strong will organizations and usually it ends up failing. Now, will everybody believe Brian Gunacoust right now? No. There are still people who are Rodgers people that believe Aaron Rodgers is in the right, that believe that this was done in bad faith, that this was not done in the way that it, would, it should be. I understand those people's opinion, but you have to balance some of that out. Like you have to realize that even if you think that Gunakus might have not went about this the right way, it's pretty clear that Aaron Rodgers was not exactly all in with the Green Bay Packers that some of the stories about the Packers getting taken hostage and Rodgers got his money and he cashed out is looking more and more true and less and less on the negative. Zach Gelb of CBS Sports, who runs the national radio, late late night radio, ah, well, evening radio, I guess, would be the best, uh, the best way to uh, talk about it. Gelb said this, I was told Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur would have game plan meetings to give Rodgers more say. Sometimes Rodgers would show up to those meetings. Other times he would just leave Matt sitting there with no word that Aaron wasn't going to show up. If that's the case, things are ugly. This is very, very ugly. Okay? This is not in a good spot. This is not good. This is pretty nasty, and it's only going to get worse. Green Bay is done letting Aaron Rodgers be the one that's the voice of this trade. Green Bay is going to try to absolve themselves from some of this. This is not like Favre. This is all-new warfare with social media all over the place with different clips right and left. The Packers aren't going to take it anymore. Brian Gunacoust is... Pretty, pretty evident of that. And what comes next will be really interesting because Malafleur talks to the media today. He will meet with meet with all the same media members that Michael Gutekunst. We'll see if Matt's a little more pro Rogers. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if they do a good cop bad cop routine and Lafleur is much more dismisses that report. Says no, that's not true, uh, and he doesn't come guns a blazing. I would be surprised if they completely bury Rodgers. 
Now, if they do, then it's even worse than we thought. And that it was really bad. And the commentary about maybe getting taken hostage is potentially true. Not necessarily the trade, but that this guy took his money and, and kind of ran. That he Bill Hauled us. For those who don't remember, or those who aren't Brewers fans, Bill Hall infamously had an awesome year for the Milwaukee Brewers in a contract year. He was so good. I think he had 30 home runs that year. He had a bunch of walk-offs, very clutch hitter. And then Bill Hall signed a pretty significant deal to stay with the team. And he never amounted to that ever again. And it's always been known as, is it a Bill Hall year? And I never would have thought that I'd have to have that conversation about Aaron Rodgers. But the more it looks like it, the more it kind of starts to smell like Aaron Rodgers played those two years with a chip on his shoulder and then wanted to fuck the franchise. That might be hyperbole. That might be a little bit intense. But it's start, you're starting to ask yourself that question. You're starting to get around to that. Some of those that have been banging this drum that have developed a disdain for Rodgers have been here since October. They're yelling in their cars or at their desks saying like, I fucking told you so. I told you that this is exactly what was happening. I, I, I'm not entirely there yet, but I will say that I am sullying more and more on Rodgers and that this is now at a point of no return. I kind of thought there was an avenue where you could figure out a way to get Rodgers back, keep Jordan Love happy, understand that it was one last ride for Rodgers, and that they were going to try everything in their power to go win the Super Bowl. I thought there was a small avenue. That avenue has been filled with concrete, and it is done. We are not seeing that avenue. That avenue does not exist. As Mark Murphy said a few weeks ago, Aaron will get his jersey retired. Aaron will be in the Packer Hall of Fame. He'll be in the Ring of Honor. We'll welcome Aaron back with open arms. That's where we're at. But I think that's going to take a long time. You might remember Aaron Rodgers as a grudge guy. At some point, Aaron Rodgers will get over this. But the Packers are sacrificing their relationship. They are starting to light a bridge on fire. Now, do I think the bridge has burned down? No. But do I think that the Green Bay Packers are trying to meet in the middle of a burning bridge that Aaron Rodgers has also lit on the other side? Yes. I think they're trying to burn it together. And they're going down as one. But the battle for the narrative will rage. It will rage all summer. There will be articles pro Rodgers. There will be articles pro Packers. It will be a blood feud for the entire summer. And I don't think that this is ending anytime soon. Brian Gunacus just finally fired a return strike. Now we wait and see on LaFleur. We wait and see on Rodgers. But the great narrative control war has only just begun. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers, we had a lot of Brewer news today. Uh, not surprising, right? The Brewers were getting ready for their season. Uh, opening day begins on Thursday. We're going to do a preview pod for the Brewers on Thursday. Uh, get you ready. I know it is opening day. I understand that. But I feel like you still can listen throughout the weekend. Like, I don't think you're going to, like, if we have some takes and all of a sudden the takes are completely destroyed with game one of 162. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're going to survive. I think it'll be okay. So that's number one. 
Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, but the Brewers have basically built their opening day roster. And it's hard not to be excited. Start with Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt uh, signs a one-year deal with the team. He has a club option for 2024. Luke Voigt is a great addition for the Milwaukee Brewers. They did a great job there adding more power to their bench. The Brewers desperately needed more right-handed hitting power. And that's exactly what Luke Voigt brings to this team. He, all, he had a great spring. And I think it's a really savvy move by the Brewers. We've seen this before where the Brewers have struck gold on first baseman. They did it with Roddy Telez. They did it with Eric Thames. They've done it with a couple others. But to get Luke Voigt on this roster and Luke Voigt to think highly enough of the Milwaukee Brewers to say, I got to sniff around. I got to see what's out there. But at the end of the day, I want a major league deal with this Brewers team. Says a lot. And now you have Luke Voigt on your bench. And you got some pretty good power from a right-handed side, you know, when you need it, right? So if, you know, Jesse Winker is up at the plate and you have a lefty-lefty matchup. Now, Luke Voigt's not the best against lefties. He actually has some reverse splits. Not as bad as Keston Hero, who we're going to talk about here in a second. But think about this situational baseball moment where it's a lefty being brought in for Jesse Winker. Now you could say, all right, we're going to have Luke Voigt now be the DH. We're going to have Mike Brousseau now be the DH. You have that availability. You have that flexibility with three right-handers on your badge, the other one being a switch hitter in Carantini. That's good. That balances things out when you have a pretty, I would say, a, a le- yeah, I, I would go as far to say a lefty, heavy lineup you only have it's very balanced but there are a lot of lefties there and that could create some problems given certain bullpens certain ways to ways to handle that and it gives Craig Council a ton of options my dad has famously called Craig Council the alchemist because he feels like he fucks around with lineups rotations bullpen assignments all of that and all of it's purposeful it's never done without like a reason why whether it is getting ready for another matchup seeing you know kind of throwing this guy out in the fire just seeing how it goes uh seeing you know how this matchup works a lefty lefty matchup or a righty righty matchup or something along those lines or stacking these two guys does that help one does that help the other i think that craig council does a great job with this and luke Voigt is going to have some moments for this team i think Luke Voigt, this isn't, this isn't going to be just a flash in the pan, in my opinion. I think Luke Voigt's going to bring a lot to the table. And you have a lot of additional power on your bench and at Miller Park, where it's pretty easy to home runs. It's not, it's not as easy from the right side, but it's still pretty easy. And that's exciting. And I'm happy Luke Voigt decided to stay with the team. Brewers Twitter, I guess, was melting down over the weekend that Luke Voigt opted out. I missed that, which is great. That means I'm doing a better job of staying away from Bruce Schwitter, uh, which I think is part of my goal this year uh, to not get in the fracas because, again, that's I, it's not as toxic. It's getting better because the Brewers social media team is also making strides. They sort of took the toxicity and made it into a positive, right? We talked about the freshman stuff last week where we thought that we said, oh, what a great job really highlighting some of these young guys. I conspiracy wise was like, is this setting us up for a rebuild? I don't think so, 
But I do think they did a good job of being like, all right, yeah, here's the next generation of Brewers. Here are the next guys to, you know, you want to wear this guy's jersey. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted a Brewers jersey. Uh, it, well, I wasn't exactly a kid. I was like young adult. So like college, college age, maybe right at the end of high school, early. Yeah, I was right at the end of high school. So I guess I was a kid. But I, I remember that I wanted Corey Hart's jersey because Corey Hart was a, I, I loved the, the way he played, but I also wanted somebody that was not necessarily like top of mind that you would think of. Yuvani Gallardo was really popular then, obviously Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder, but I, I wanted to kind of do something a little different. So I got a Corey Hart jersey instead. Still have it somewhere. Uh, I don't know where exactly it is, but there is a Corey Hart jersey somewhere in my in one of my closets. And I would wear it proudly. I love Corey Hart. Uh, now it's like vintage, right? Uh, it was just cool. And that's, that's what you want. And I, I think that's the hope with this freshman stuff is build up that reputation where a kid who's 16, 17, 18, you know, he wants a Bryce Trang or, uh, you know, a young girl, fan, a female fan wants Garrett Mitchell or, you know, or Trang as well, or Sal Freelich when he gets up there, like that you build sort of this new brand awareness with these young guys. And they took it a step further with sort of the making of the team videos where it was behind the scenes and they filmed, you know, Gus Varlin as well as Bryce Trang making the team, which were great videos. They were awesome to watch. Brewers have never done something like that. So to me, the Brewers have taken sort of the anger from the online community and made it into a positive. They've done a really good job of that so far. They are a big winner in the first month, really, of the year. They've It's night and day improvement from last year. They obviously got new people in there, and those new people are doing a really good job. So whoever those are, I probably could find it on LinkedIn if I wanted to. Uh, good job to them. They're, they really deserve a lot of credit. Other topics to talk about Brewers-wise, Keston Hira got DFA'd. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on the 500 episode, even though we didn't do a ton of sports. Uh, but that was something that happened on Friday. And Kestihira, no longer part of the Brewers, he has a chance to sign anywhere at this point. I feel like if I was a team like the Tigers, the A's, uh, even like a, a Tampa Bay or, you know, another, I'm trying to think of other good development programs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, obviously, the San Diego Padres. Like, I would, I would even bring him in on one of those to try to see if we can revive his career in AAA and figure out what's wrong with his swing. And I thought about doing a longer casting hero thing. And I don't know if anyone would like, I feel like we'd have a few listeners, but I, I don't I also don't know. Sometimes you have topics and you're like, is this actually a full on segment or is this something that is better as a sub segment? So I think it's better as a sub segment. And the, the sub segment with casting is whose fault is it that casting fell apart? Is it Craig Council's that Craig Council? mismanaged his time on the field, that he didn't really do a good enough job giving Keston Hura the at-bats that he needed, that maybe he wasn't in a position to give Keston those at-bats because the Brewers were a successful baseball team throughout and it was just wrong place, wrong time. So it's not really Council's fault. It's more the team's success fault. Is it the fact that Keston Hura couldn't fix his swing and he stopped being able to hit the high pitch? Is that because of bad advice? Is that because he got in his head? Is that because he wasn't listening to coaching? What was that? We I don't think we know the full Castanera story. 
And I, I, I would die for it. I think it would be a really interesting thing. Even if it was a negative, it was a knock to the Brewers, I still think that we need to know why it all went wrong for Keston. I hope he stays with the team. I think it would be awesome for him. Um, if he doesn't, though, I understand it. I get it. I, I also get it if he wants to play overseas. If he wants to go to Korea, if he wants to go to Japan and just really start to figure shit out and just start to, to kind of see what's, what I can fix and just spend, spend time over there, make some money and come back, you know, revived. He's still very young. And I, I do think, though, there's going to be big league teams that want him. It's just a question of, is he going to want to go through the grind of going all the way back up? We'll just have to see. But I think it is a valuable lesson for the Brewers to not tweak too much and not and also to make sure that there's an understanding that all these guys are different. And I just, yeah, I feel like it's shared responsibility. You know, we talk about not to bring Rodgers back up again, but it's like it's kind of the same conversation with Rodgers. It's like they're everyone's at fault. And I think that's that's how I feel with Keston Hira. Like everyone's at fault. It's not just one person that led us to this point. And so it sucks. It's a shitty feeling. I don't think any of us want to see this. And hopefully there is there is a rebirth within the Brewers organization. But I've said it before and I'll say it today. I, I believe Cassidy Hero will be better at wherever his next adventure is. So whether that is overseas, whether that's with a middling team, whether that's with a successful team who figures it all out, Cassidy's going to be great again. I, I just, you don't lose that hitting. And I think he's going to figure it out. And so uh, very excited to see what, what transpires there. And I just hope if it does happen, like I predicted, that it happens with an American League team. The last bit of Brewer news is that Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich are both headed down to AAA. They are going to Nashville. Uh, Freelich did not even get a chance to beat out Owen Miller. Uh, Owen Miller won it out over more Weimer than, Free, than Freelich. Uh, Owen Miller is a utility guy. He had a really good spring. I'm not exactly that fired up about Owen Miller. I'm not going to lie to you. But it's not surprising that Craig Council went with a guy that has a ton of versatility versus Joey Weimer or Freelick. And I understand some people are going to say, oh, service time, oh, service time. It doesn't sound, if you read the quotes, it does not sound like service time stuff. Like Mac, Matt Vitrentos and Brett Batty, who are both New York Mets prospects, top prospects, who probably should be on the Mets bench. They are still in the minor leagues, and that is a service time thing, which is interesting because I've been told how great of an owner Steve Cohen is, but apparently they're still they're still trying to make sure that these guys get their proper service time. Funny how that works. That said, in regards to Weimer and Freelick, I think it really came down to the fact that they wanted to make sure that they got full at bats. Craig Council called it a part-time job that what, what Owen Miller does. Now, I don't think he was disrespecting Owen Miller. I think he's just speaking the truth. There are not a ton of at-bats to go around right now. Brian Anderson, Anderson and Owen Miller are likely going to be your right fielders. The fact the Brewers don't have a lot of outfielders right now is fucking wild. Jesse Winker cannot play outfielder. He is, a, he is an awful, awful defender. I would be stunned if we see Jesse Winker out in the outfield. But he probably will be because that, that's what the, the Brewers sometimes just don't care. 
Like the Brewers sometimes just are like, fuck it. We'll sacrifice the defense. And I think that they are, they want to know what they have and they want to make sure these guys stay fresh. And then if Anderson struggles, if Winker struggles, if if you have an injury to one of these guys, if Owen Miller goes down, then they come up and then they're ready to go. I think they are just ready and waiting. They are knocking on that door. And at some point they're going to get allowed in. It's not going to be too much longer. And that that's the exciting part. I think it sucks that they're not with Bryce Trang. Bryce Trang is going to be one of the few guys to make his big league debut on opening day. He's going to be starting at second base with Weicho at third, uh, which we very awesome to see. And I'm very excited for Bryce Trang. And I, you know, it's a guy who was a top pros- top prospect. It, it's a little bit. It's weird that kind of the Castillo out Trang in right because that was kind of what we thought Castillo would be for a long time, and now it's Bryce Trang. And his defense is excellent. I don't know if the hitting is going to come right away, but the defense is really good. And the Brewers could have an extremely strong middle infield with Adonis and Terang. And Weicho isn't bad at third. He's sometimes not as rangy as I would like him to be, but he's still a solid third baseman. And so you have three guys right there that can play that position. And I think... I think it's going to be a, a solid, solid infield right now. And then to go back to Freelich and Weimer, they they will at some point be up. And they will sometimes, they'll get their chance. It's just a question of what. It's a question of, it's you know, it, is it going to be a month? Is it going to be less than that? I think the Brewers have a pretty tough start to their season. It's one of the things that worries me a little bit is that they, after the Cubs, they go Mets, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Padres. That's not, it's not exactly the easiest. And so I, I just hope they have enough offense to compete early on. And it worries me a little bit with Anderson and Miller, just because I feel like there'd be a better shot at Weimer and Freelich. Jack Stern pointed out that, you know, Weimer is not exactly the best in terms of in terms of bat control, he strikes out a lot. And maybe he just wasn't ready for full-time ABs. And that's kind of why the Brewers sent him down. I think the Freelick one, Jack also did a good job explaining that. That him being a lefty actually hurt him. Because the Brewers have so many left-handers ready to go right now. That they don't really need another left-handed outfielder. Uh, which is interesting to think about. But that's it's true. It's it, it's it's hard to dispute that with Yelich, with Mitchell, with Jesse Winker, even though he's more of a DH than an outfielder, but he's still an outfielder. You have to at least acknowledge that. And so, yeah, it's it's a tough, tough sort of go for Freelick. I don't think that means that Freelick's gonna get traded. I, I think they'll I think they'll hold on to Freelick. Uh, but at the same time, I I don't I don't necessarily expect that you're going to see them down for too long. I think they're I think they're going to be guys that make an impact this season. I think having two two is a good start with Terang and, and Mitchell, and I think everybody's fired up for those guys. I think they're fired up for Gus Varlin. I think that's a good amount of youthful you know injection that they certainly needed. The question is, when will they get more and if they need more? Uh, if they feel like, all right, our offense is not where we need it to be, 
bring up Joey, bring up Sal, and kind of try to see if you can infuse more offense and get them consistent reps. And I think the Brewers just need to see sort of what their offense looks like and what their lineups look like before they're bringing up Sal and Joey. And so I, I think it has nothing to do with service time. I don't think that was said once by the GMs or anything like that or things that sniffed like that. It did not pass that smell test. So that's good to see. And I'm really excited to see what comes next with Joey and Sal. And I think it should be an awesome summer for the both of them. Last topic on today's show uh, is the Milwaukee Bucks. Took care of business uh, against the Detroit Pistons, as they should. Uh, even without Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's a team you beat nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten. Uh, they were basically, it was Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez and Javon Carter. Those were the guys tonight. Uh, Chris Middleton had 34 points on eight and with eight rebounds. He was really solid tonight. I, th- I felt like this is one of the best Chris Middleton games we've seen all season. Uh, letting Chris Middleton cook like that, I think is a really important thing. I think for him to get his sea legs back, I think it's I think it's now to the point where we can say Middleton's sea legs are back. I don't think it's just he's getting them back. I think Chris is looking more and more like himself. John Horace said it on Ryan Vassil's podcast last Thursday, and I, I feel like it's more true today. And he looked really good in this game. And that was that's encouraging. And Brooke Lopez also Another great game for him, 24 and 14. But I'm not really here to talk about that the game itself. We'll do a little bit of it. But uh, I want to get – and uh, man, why don't we do – you know what? We've already started talking about it. We'll, we'll run through the game a little bit, and then we'll get into the other Bucks thing I wanted to talk about. So we're flipping it up. That's okay. That happens. Uh, Javon Carter also uh, worth mentioning. Six of seven from three tonight. 22 points. Uh, really solid stuff from the Bulldog himself. Uh, Javon Carter continues to be an awesome shooter from behind the arc. Uh, he's been really, really good. And it's it's just kind of blows your mind. It's kind of something you did not expect out of Javon Carter. And he's he's doing it right now, man. And he he's, what is he, sh- at this point, he is shooting 41% from three. He's shooting the most threes he has in his career, but 41% from three. He is a legitimate threat from behind the arc. It's it's something else to watch. And it's something that I don't think any of us really expected. Uh, so as you can imagine, the golden kegs are pretty predictable. We've already talked about the guys. I should have just said it at, at the open. Uh, Chris Middleton, three kegs, 34 points on 23 shots, eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 24 and 14, gets the two keg. Javon Carter wouldn't get a one keg. We're not saying he played bad. Pat Conton is that guy, though. Seven points uh, for Pat. He was three of eight. One of six from three. He was really rough. You could also make a case for Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles didn't really play that well in this one. Uh, 20, 20 minutes for Joe. He missed one of he was one of five from three. He had missed a couple other shots inside the arc. Not exactly his strongest effort. You got a few minutes from... Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic, you know, getting getting their sea legs back as well. So all good things. Uh, only missing, obviously, Giannis and Drew. Hopefully the personal stuff with Drew, everything's okay. Uh, and he's back at it on Wednesday night against Indiana. I think, I don't know if you can rest everybody against Indiana. Bucks now build a two and a half game cushion on the Boston Celtics. And we'll see if the Celtics can get a win to bring that back to two 
uh, before heading into Thursday. But I did want to mention with the Celtics, and as we get closer to this matchup, and we'll talk more about that as well as the Sixer game with Mitch uh, heading into Thursday. But one of the things I wanted to mention is I, I really look at the Bucs right now, and I feel like they are in the they have the most house money to play with in the Eastern Conference. So what do I mean by that? And we talk about house money a lot of this show. But house money is something that I feel like sports fans need to consider more often. And I've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. Like having this like vision of like, all right, we don't have a lot to lose here. And if we lose and, we, and it doesn't work out our way, it sucks. But yeah, we have a championship. Now, do I think the Bucs should settle for one title like the Green Bay Packers of the Rodgers years? No. Do I think that narrative will start if Giannis were to not get a finals this year? Yes, I do think so. It'd be annoying. It's going to be tiresome. It's not, it's apples to fucking pineapples in my opinion, but that won't stop people from making those comparisons. That said, I look at, I look at Giannis, I look at the Bucs and I'm like, they don't have a ton of pressure on them this season. Think about the other teams here. Boston has a Jalen Brown situation that is bubbling. It seems more and more like Jalen Brown is not going to be a member of the Boston Celtics next year. So this is your last year with Tatum and Brown. And as Pupa pointed out, like some of these young duos, trios, just do not stay together because everybody wants to be the big dick in the cracker factory. And Jalen Brown doesn't like how he was treated by the Celtics. Jalen Brown doesn't really like the city of Boston. And he wants to go somewhere else. And it's pretty evident that Jalen Brown is the next disgruntled star, if you will. So this means the Celtics have one more shot at this with the guys they have. Do I think they can still get titles with Jason Tatum? Fuck yeah, absolutely. No question. I think that they're still a pretty well-run organization. I think Joe Mazzula, I have questions about him. I had questions about him all year. I was saying this in October and November. No one wanted to listen. I was like, we're sure this young guy is gonna it's gonna be okay in the playoffs. Are we are we sure about that? Right? It's bigger question now. So they have a lot of pressure on them. Philadelphia has a ton of pressure on them. Joel Embiid has never made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Joel Embiid wants to be the MVP, talks a lot of shit, doesn't show up for a game against Jokic. Absolute loser behavior from Joel Embiid. Just gross. Everything that is fucking wrong with the NBA right there in a nutshell. I hate to be that guy, but that is so, so bad from Joel Embiid. You can't talk all this shit to Sham Sharania and then not show up. You look like a shadow gangster. You are a shadow gangster. But to, to talk about Philly, they have a ton of pressure for, the, for this playoffs. They have all of it in the world because Philly has not been able to finish. They've been bad in the postseason. And this would make more of that true. James Harden has been a loser in the playoffs. He has crumbled. And to just break away from all of that, there's a lot there. There's a lot of meat on that bowl. And they have a ton of pressure too. And so when I take those three teams, the Bucs are the ones where the pressure exists to get back there and get another title so Giannis can make his ascend to some of the greats of all time. But he doesn't exactly need it. And that's kind of a great position to be in. You're kind of the one with the lead on Sunday. If we use golf, right? You have a two or three shot lead. You just got to play a little conservative. The Bucs can play very loose. 
they they know they already have one under their belt. The rest of those guys don't. Celtics have been there, but again, you have a massive coaching disadvantage. Joe Mazzola is going to be a disadvantage as a head coach in almost every series Boston's in. Maybe not against Atlanta. Well, no, they have, they have Quinn Snyder now. I was going to say, Joe Prony. I'm like, yeah, maybe. But he's not a good coach. And I just, I, I think that matters in the playoffs, man. I really do. And it's something to keep an eye on. And we'll, we'll just have to see. But I, I feel really good about where the Bucks are right now. That Denver loss, um, you know, we didn't really talk about the weekend because we were, we, were, we were doing the 500 show. Denver loss means nothing to me. Uh, I thought it was a good first half from the Bucks. I felt like the second half was a combination of the Bucks had no legs and the refs were terrible. And the refs took over that game. And that'll happen. Uh, it's annoying. You hate to blame the refs. I'm not blaming them for everything. But I'm blaming them for changing sort of how how the game flowed. And they disrupted that. And that sucks. And that's going to happen. And the Nuggets got away with a lot. And it is what it is. I love they kicked the shit out of the Jazz. It's good to be now 2-1 and one on this road trip. Finish it off against Indiana t- tomorrow. And that's, that's all I ask, right? And put yourself in a good position against this. Uh, Boston team. It's not the end of the world that she lost to the Nuggets. I think it's going to be tough to beat Denver at their at their place if it if it does if it ends up being Bucks Nuggets in the finals. I would say that out of the Western Conference opponents that I'm thinking about, all those places really are tough to play. Like even Phoenix, where the Bucks have had some success with Game Five and then winning this year there, it, they're really ravenous places to play. Like think about it, like. Denver, really tough to play. Altitude, pretty ra- pretty rowdy fan base. Memphis, you have the grindhouse. You have their fans are absurd. They, you know, they're playing whoop that trick and just jamming out to 3-6 Mafia and Project Pat, right? Like that's tough. Sacramento is unhinged. They couldn't clinch a playoff spot tonight. That's that's a bar. I don't know if they did still because of like losses and stuff, but they had a chance to clinch at home and they completely choked on their lunch today. Uh, you know, but they're they're loud as shit. Golden State, the Roracle, we all know. Now it's not the Roracle, it's the Chase Center. But still, it is a loud-ass arena. The only one where really you don't have that is the Clippers. But I, I even think the Clippers, if they got there, you just have people kind of moseying on to the Clippers bandwagon. And all of a sudden, they'd be a, lot, a little louder in there than, than what you've, you've come to know from a Los Angeles Clippers game. So yeah, I mean, I think... Going back to Denver, like it's yeah, it's a tough place to play, but I think the Bucks can handle it. I think it's not they're not going to crumble. I think it was just a bad night that the Bucks didn't necessarily have all of their power. And I like to see it at full strength. I'd like to see it not on a back to back or out of three games and four nights. Like I, I need to see a little bit more there. So not too worried. All right, I will do a quick Chuck's corner because I love you guys. And I know you guys enjoy it. Um, so Saturday was out. A uh, few, few thoughts on, on a Saturday recap for people. Number one, uh, District 4, new bar uh, in the third ward. I probably shouldn't do this because who knows who could sponsor, who couldn't sponsor. Uh, but man, not for me. Uh, I understand the concept. I get it. Uh, it's a golf bar. They have golf simulators. They and you can do a bunch of different things. 
The simulators, I guess, are directly the same as Third Street Market Hall, which is right down the block. Like, not far away at all. Probably a better experience. Didn't have their food there. Uh, their drinks were good. I didn't look at the prices. Um, I I skirted away from that, which is probably bad. I probably owe a Venmo to somebody. Uh, but I I look at that, and they, they were big beers. Like, they were 23-ounce beers, which is good. That's cool. But... I just, the area it's in is, I don't even know what was there beforehand. Uh, it is tucked away on Chicago Street. Uh, Sweet Diner's right next to it, for those who are in Milwaukee and familiar with it. But would not recommend it if you're outside of Milwaukee. It's not a thing to do. If you're going to do golf simulators in Milwaukee, go to X-Golf at, at American Family Field. Like that, to me, that is the best golf simulator experience, right? Because... You're playing it and you're overlooking the baseball stadium. Now, granted, it's going to be harder to get in now that the season has started. It's not going to be every night you could go out there and play. I think you can play while the game's going on too, uh, which I would hate uh, because I like baseball. But there are a lot of people who go to brewery games who don't like baseball. Mitch talks about that a lot. That's a big Mitch one. Uh, so, but yeah, if you're going to do a golf simulator, why not do X golf? And if it's the same simulator as Third Street Market Hall, I'd rather go to Third Street Market Hall. Third Street Market Hall is much better than that. Uh, so, anyways, uh, that was a quick review on a new bar in town. Uh, wasn't wasn't huge on it. Uh, they, I will say, say something nice. They did have a good TV set up. They knew the Final Four was on. They turned about a bunch of TVs on to the Final Four. They had, or uh, Elite Eight, excuse me. They had it going though, uh, so I give them credit for that. They they had their TV game down pat. We've talked about that in the past. And then I was at another bar. I was at the brewery, shout out. Great place. I love the brewery. Uh, they support my boy Shaken, but they also are a good bar to just hang out at. So uh, it was, I don't know, it was like nine o'clock. I think it was at halftime of the Bucks game. All of a sudden, I realized my vest's gone. And my vest got, and I asked a couple people I was with, I was like, hey, did you see my vest? They're like, no, I haven't seen it. I was like, oh man, this must have got taken. And we were in like kind of a secluded area. Like we weren't in like a deep, like, you know what I mean? Like not a high trafficked area. And, and, and like I've gotten jackets stolen before. I hate it. It's a shitty feeling. It's a, it was a gift. Like I, I really didn't want to, didn't really want to part ways with this jacket that I really liked. Like I wear my puffer vest, fuck, probably eighty percent of the time uh, that I'm out at, in into into winter months. And so I asked the bartender we had a pretty good rapport with, hey, could you check the tapes? Because I I could see a camera was like right there, so I could see who stole the jacket just in case that I knew like all right. If, he, if he's here, you know, all right, where where is, where is, you know, can I get my jacket back? I find out that it was a friend of friend. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend. And he was just doing it just to be funny. And now, did I lose my temper a little bit? Yeah. Did I want to fight the kid? Yeah. I want that not strong. Like, I got to stop that. I'm fucking going to be 35. Like, I, I have to chill out. Now, could I have just taken a walk? And just settle down and let the testosterone pile on. Yeah. But a few things here. Number one, the guy was nowhere near my size. Was a small guy. Uh, no reason to steal a fucking 2XL coat unless you wanted to sell. That would be my only, like, why would you grab a coat if you're not, if that's not your size? 
This guy was an extra small, maybe a small at best. Also, he was wearing like a Louis Vuitton jacket. Why the fuck do you need my vest? And I guess they're like, well, he thinks it's funny to steal people's jackets. That is loser fucking behavior. I will tell you, I said that on Saturday. I'll say that here. It's loser behavior. And that's all I should have said. And I, I wish I would have got a chance to just call him a loser. I said, hey, that was, that was a loser move. Just want you to know. And that, that, that's all I should have done. I should have got mad about it. I should have just called him a fucking loser. Been done with it. And he didn't even have the apology. He didn't have the like decency. Shows you how much of a loser this guy is. To come up to me after. Because he was around like in the shadows. After the fact. And not, not come up to me and say, hey man, I'm really sorry. Like I was just fucking around. Like oh, I, I do it with my friends. I thought it was funny. I didn't realize it was, I thought it was Murph's or I thought it was so-and-so's. Um, my bad. I, I would have been like, I'd be like, okay, it's cool. Just buy me a drink. I would just said, buy me a beer, buy my next beer, buy me a shot. You can take one with me. That would have been it. And I would have ended it right there. And I've been okay with it. But I, so a word to the wise for the young, more of the younger listeners, don't take meals jackets. It's fucking really stupid. Uh, so just, uh, it's food for thought there. All right. That does it. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, five minutes of Chuck's Corner. Uh, I, uh, I'll try to keep doing those more often. I, I just know the shows get long, so I don't want to go too long. You're probably already sick of me. Sorry my voice isn't better. <laughs> I fucking had a two-week respiratory thing. Uh, it's maybe a combination of allergies, combination of something, something more. Uh, but it's, man, it just has not gone away in full. Hopefully I'll wake up without, you know, having sniffles or coughs uh, tomorrow and you you can hear a crisp tone. Although I'm not doing a podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Unless something crazy happens with the Rogers stuff. If Rogers goes on McAfee, I might have to do one. But it would be short. And I promise you it would be short. It would be one, one just be the Rogers topic. Uh, but yeah, no podcast planned tomorrow. Back on Thursday for Mitch and I. And then I'll do a reaction pod to opening day as well as uh, Bucks Celtics should get ahead of this. We are going to do Golden Kegs for the Brewers, but we're going to do it for the series. So I'll try to keep track of that at home. Be scorned, doing all that shit. Uh, so that'll be, I think, a lot easier to track. So not every day. Um, and hopefully that, that turns out for the best. So we continue to kind of always have Brewer conversation. It's going to be harder to do day-to-day with the baseball just because it's, that's just not how it works. We'll at least do like a Brewer's check-in every day, but we won't do like golden kegs and stuff like that. But that'll probably be more at end of shows and stuff like that as the season has just started. But as people have said, some people around here, game one is as important as game 162. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.